Hello and welcome to the First and Orange Broncos podcast. I'm Kyle Fredrickson, joined by Ryan O'Halloran. We're your Broncos beat reporters for the Denver Post, and we are entering week two, a Friday morning. The Broncos hosting the Chicago Bears on Sunday at Empower Field at Mile High, uh, the new newly minted. Well, you're not going to see that name in my copy. <laughs> and I'm, I'm telling you right now, Kyle Fredrickson, you're not going to. I'm not going to see it in your copy oh, either. I, we got to uh, make them earn the naming rights. <laughs> Yes, yes. Empower, I expect uh, four pennies for every mention of the name on the podcast. Let's get that uh, in writing at some point. But we are here, Ryan. We're here for the home opener. We're playing real games um, at Mile High, which is great for the Broncos fans. Uh, maybe not so much for those who are keenly paying attention to this team after the first game, though. Uh, the fact that the Broncos have a variety of issues after that uh, initial loss to the Raiders. We talked about a lot of them after the game uh, in Oakland in the hotel, Ryan, but you've had a chance to look at some of the film we've written about that game quite a bit a lot of glaring issues for this team and let's maybe start with the offensive side of the ball uh red zone offense yeah. something that we've talked about since preseason joe flacco didn't score a touchdown in the preseason gets his very first one kind of in slop time late in this game the broncos still with a chance to be in it but a little bit too little a little bit too late um the biggest reasons why this offense isn't flourishing, Ryan, j- j- just from one game, what did you learn? Well, I'll, I'll preface it by saying, you know, to me, the red zone issue started Monday night. I don't really count the preseason because it was probably a limited menu. They wanted to save some stuff. And, you know, they had backups in the game, even when Joe was playing quarterback. You know, I'll, I'll you know, I went series by series. Okay, what went wrong? Well, the thing is, they had some good gains to get into the red zone. And then things got bogged down. And, you know, it was a, you know, Noah Fant missed a run block. Um, they had a, you know, a gadget play with guys lining up uh, on the far side of the field. It looked like they are outflanked them. It looked like they had seven defenders and five blockers. That play was doomed from the start. It was a lateral that gained, gained no, uh, no yards. Then they had bad luck. Um, you know, Emmanuel Sanders, that was a touchdown. He slipped. He had a little arrow route. Conley was playing inside leverage. He was going to go right to the pylon. That would have been a touchdown. So a combination of, you know, bad execution and uh, bad luck, you know, it, you th- I sort of throw out the last one. I mean, they scored a touchdown. At least they didn't have an offer. But it's definitely something I'm sure Vic and Rich Gangarello have talked about this week is, okay, what personnel are you using? What's your top five or six red zone calls? Because it has to get better. And because if you, you know, you, you may get away a little bit this week against the Bears settling for field goals, but that's not a, that's not a good habit to pick up. It seemed like for a debut, uh, Rich Scangarello as a play caller in the NFL was a little bit lukewarm, right? The, the first play from scrimmage the Broncos run is that reverse to Noah Fant that's a five yard loss. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could point to several other plays during this game that were a little bit of a head scratcher. Was there anything that surprised you about their approach? And with Scangarello, we didn't really know what to expect, being this was his first shot. But yeah. did you expect maybe a little more, a little um, more flash? Well, I told Ray, I told Wade Harmon, the tight ends coach, I said, you could give me 100 guesses of what the first play of the year was going to be, and I wouldn't have guessed that one. <laughs> he laughed. He goes, yeah. And they, wanted, they, 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 they were hoping that edge defender would pinch inside, crash down on the play action, fan could take the edge. Uh, you know, they'll run it again, maybe out of a little bit different look. But, um, you know, first play call interesting but you know when you only have seven plays in the first quarter you only have three series in the first half that plays into it and then you're chasing the game you know if 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 they would have been able to maybe get two red zone touchdowns instead of one you know we might have a different look on Rich's play calling debut but 
you know, one thing that if, if you're a Bronco fan should be a little concerning and something to monitor is Joe Flacco did not look comfortable on the move. Uh, the bootlegs, the, you know, the rollout type actions that are by design looked a little clunky. He's a smart enough quarterback where he can, he can diagnose the entire field. You don't need to cut him down to a half field read. So, um, what I did like about Scangarello's play calling, he went with the hot hand, and that was Cortland Sutton. And, and and that shows, you know, you have a game plan, but if you have a guy who's winning his matchup, keep going to him. Cortland had seven for a buck twenty. You talked to him after the game, wrote about him in Thursday's Denver Post. Um, is this the start of something big for number 14? I think so. This is what the Broncos envisioned when they drafted him and him being that vertical threat and the guy who's going to catch the ball in space and then do something with it, right? Run down the field, north and south, extra yards. You know, he, he dragged down some blockers on several of those yards after catch, uh, showcasing some of that physicality. You know, when you're, you're that tall and 220, you should be bulldozing guys. You know, we saw Demarius Thomas do that a lot early in his career here. So a, a lot to like with the way that Sutton was used. Um, I think he benefited from the fact that Emmanuel Sanders didn't get as many touches early in this game. I was a little surprised that maybe they would have tried to get the ball to him more. Flacco said there was times when the offense was designed to go to him for whatever reason it didn't work out. But the fact that early on there's this comfort level between Flacco and Sutton, sorry, stumbling there a little bit, uh, is definitely good news. It's just one game, but as we look at Emmanuel Sanders and what his explosiveness is going to be like post-Achilles, you got to have a guy who can be a game breaker and I think at least early on you know Sanders uh, or Sutton has established himself as that in this offense. And I think Emmanuel will play better this week. Uh, I mean, that was his first full game since the Achilles injury last December. He uh, played 11-12 snaps in the preseason so you know, I think he probably got his wind a little bit, got, uh, uh, you know, probably to feel good about the stuff he was doing even though he didn't get a lot of catches. He did make uh, two big plays. So I, I would expect more from Sanders this weekend. If I'm the Broncos, I look at Chicago's offense last week in Stream Bay, and it was terrible. I mean, it was one-dimensional, even though they were in the game. If I'm the Broncos, I mean, against the great defense and great pass rushers, I would try some tempo. I'd say, hey, let's try and get a lead in front of the home crowd, see if that can get the pass rush going, see if you can cause some problems for Bisky. Every single time in my career I've suggested tempo, nobody's run it, so it's <laughs> going to fall on deaf ears. But, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, maybe try and – be the aggressor and, and, and please Vic please Vic if you if you <laughs> win the toss take the ball John Gruden did the other night says hey I'm going to take the ball, I'm going to score, and make you play uphill. Yeah. That's what the Broncos should do. And I would like to see a little bit more of Royce Freeman maybe early on in this game. He provided a big spark for this offense in the second half. Had that one rush, I think, of 25-plus yards, showcase a lot of that physical running style. Phil Lindsay, I don't know that he disappointed at all in this first game. I think he still averaged about four yards a carry, but it seemed like Royce brought them a different element. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a Phil Lindsay game in terms of home runs. I mean, he maybe had a stand-up double, but it – you know, if you maybe try and get Philip a little bit more on the perimeter, you know, they motioned Lindsay out out wide several times that game, but they didn't get the matchup they wanted. Oakland wasn't going to play that game. They kept a safety or a corner on Philip. I think that negates each other. Um, I think if you're the Broncos, you hope if that happens, you can get Fant on a linebacker. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of discovery going on by Rich in terms of, okay, 
if I move this chess piece here, how is this defense going to cover him? And now you react going into game two. Let's talk a little bit of defense uh, transitioning into this game. A lot of focus being on that with Vic Fangio's history with the Bears, what he did there, how the Broncos defense looked in their opening performance against the Raiders. Also very underwhelming. Uh, third down really being the biggest issue here, Ryan. The Raiders have 14 third down attempts in that game. They convert uh, 10 of them. And of those third downs, 11 of them were third or five or less. So that means that they're getting just enough yardage on first and second to create the, the word that you used earlier, manageable on third downs. And being that successful on it, I mean, that's probably the best recipe for offensive success in the league, right? You can break down a lot of different ways to, move, to, to be successful, but if you're facing third and shorts, that means you're doing something right. Yeah, because you know, when you're third and one, third and two, you, you have a run pass option. You know, like that third and one in the first half, Vic made an aggressive call. You had 10 guys in the box thinking run. Oakland threw it over the top, beat Yadam for a long game. So, I um, mean, if you do that over again, you probably play Simmons uh, deep middle to try and protect that play. But you got to do better on first and second down. And, you know, the belly aching this week, well, they're throwing quick. Well, let me ask you a question. Why are they throwing quick? I mean, it's because you weren't covering well enough. Um, so I think it's, it's dependent on the secondary to maybe be a little tighter in coverage. Do you play more man? Do you play a little bit more in their face? Vic is more of a zone guy, so we'll see kind of adjustments he's making. You know, about this Bronco defense, Mitch Trubisky is almost better when he's running at this point of his career. To me, if you're playing zone, that probably plays into maybe containing him a little bit. Some teams last year put a spy on him, like a linebacker. If you're playing man, your back's to him, maybe he'll scramble for a couple third downs. So I, you know, maybe Vic will mix up his stuff a little bit more on Sunday. How much of an impact would you expect Todd Davis to potentially have in this game? We don't know if he's going to play yet. He's confident. He tells us, hey, um, that's the goal. He's day by day at this point. But if we get to the point of the game and he's active and capable – should we expect all that much from Todd? I mean, he sat out the entire preseason. Yeah. He's He hasn't really gotten any live action to this point. As much as he's a veteran in the previous defenses here, seems like that's a real uphill climb. And, and maybe the Broncos, dare I say it, are better off not having him in this game and, and working him in more slowly. Well, I think it's desperation a little bit. Uh, I don't expect him to be an every down player if he does play. Uh, but you're right. I mean, you know, he's only had three. He's had one practice in this new defense. He was limited on Wednesday. He'll probably, you know, probably be limited the rest of the week. And, you know, if he does go, I would think he maybe is a base defense guy to sort of wean him in a little bit. You know, it's one of those things in the Denver media. Guys, legend grows when they're hurt. Um, I mean, they will they beat Oakland with him in the lineup? No, but Corey Nelson, I did find being in town just a week. So, you know, maybe he'll add a little bit of a spark. But this is all about. They're pass rushers and their corners. If they don't rush better and they don't cover better, they're going to be 0-2. The major storyline, or at least a talking point, it seems like, throughout this week is how much of an advantage is it for the Broncos uh, having Vic Fangio with his you know, internal knowledge of the Chicago team? Well, it's essentially a wash, right? Because the Bears know as much about Fangio as he knows about the Bears. It's week two of the season. There's a lot of unknowns. Is there? Do you make anything of kind of this connection and how it benefits either side? And you're time covering the lead has as a former coach ever just come out and you know blasted his old team and you thought wow that that, that guy had a beat on them um no you know you gotta go back maybe to buddy ryan who hated mike dicka i mean that's 35 years ago what i think there's a benefit of is on an individual basis uh chuck pagano is the new defensive coordinator in chicago he interviewed for this job that vic got Okay, that's probably not a big difference. But if Chuck was smart, he's playing a lot of the stuff Vic played because it worked with right. those guys. 
But I think where the Broncos can get a little bit of intel is Vic and Ed Donatel and Brandon Staley on the defensive staff saying, hey, this guy technique-wise really gets upset with this kind of block and, and doesn't like this kind of angle, et cetera. I mean, really, really finite things that could make a difference. And I think Vic probably has a very good beat on what Matt Nagy's tendencies are and vice versa. So, you know, when they say cancel it out, I disagree because uh, somebody's going to get the edge because this game probably not going to end in a tie. Uh, the Bears and the, and the Packers played in a real ugly one, and, and it sucked. That, yeah, it was a, in the in the in their opener where maybe we we didn't learn a ton about either team, but this Bears defense looked solid against the Packers offense. The, the the Packers ended up winning that game, but it was low scoring. From what you saw just in that game, should they be as feared a unit this year as they were last year? Is it too early to say that? And because, um, like you mentioned, you know Pagano was coming in, and there's going to be some schematic changes not a ton of turnover on that defense a couple in the secondary one being Bryce Callahan now in Denver but it seems like a lot of the pieces are there for the Bears to be you know at least in the the same category that they were last year yeah I mean they're going to stop the run that's their I mean put you in third third and passing and then you unleash Mack and Floyd and Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan who both who will blitz occasionally as well um you know, this is a tough matchup for the offensive line for the Broncos because this is a very good front three for the Bears. They're physical and they're big. Um, you know, the only major change, ha, Clinton Dix is in at safety. Adrian Amos went to Green Bay. We'll see him next week. So um, it's still a, it's still going to be a top defense. The question for Chicago is can they get any offense? I mean, you expect them to be a little better because they're just – I mean, they couldn't get out of their own way. I expect Nagy to be more disciplined, stay with the run, even if it's not working right away. So it's a, it's a tough, I think it's a tough matchup for both offenses. Well, let's wrap it up with some predictions, Ryan. Uh, I was incorrect last week. Thought the Broncos. Was yeah, yeah, you as well. We both thought the Broncos uh, would come away and tight victories did not happen. Um, I think me and you are both taking the opposite approach this week. I know I am taking the Bears to win this one 21 to 20 in a game where the Broncos are either shut out in the first half or score very little in the first half, scrap back in the second, show a little bit of a resilience, but kind of like this previous game, a little bit too little too late, Ryan. I just haven't seen enough offensively clicking-wise to make me think that this is a Broncos team that's going to do very well against this Bears defense, and and that's going to be the story. Yeah, and I picked the Bears too. Each team's going to score a defensive touchdown, and then uh, the Bears will win 17-14, something like that. (laughs) Read Sunday's paper. I can't remember the score. Um, I think it does have a tractor pull element to it. It's going to be, you know, every yard is going to be a fight. There's going to be a lot of third downs. Whoever is able to stay on the field and string together some – third down conversions you know capitalizing the red zone would be a difference but i mean like i mean i agree with you is you know you're looking for reasons to pick them and i don't really see any uh monday night it was very disappointing performance and you know to paraphrase or to put words in vic's mouth they lose this one, they'll be disappointed, and they should be discouraged. <laughs> uh, Kiz called this a, a must-win, essentially, for I agree. Fangio. Is that hyperbole, yeah. or is that um, true? I mean, if, if you don't, then, okay, you, know, you got Green Bay next. You know, Then you're not going to be favored to win that one. You know, Where is this season going? Um, and so I think it's an important game, for, for sure. It, you know, this team, this team was the first team to report to camp. They played five preseason games. They look lethargic against Oakland. Yeah. That's concerning. Now you got a short week against a team who had a long week. 
tough sledding on Sunday, I think. You got to see some explosive plays uh, from the Broncos offense for any chance in this one. I think that's the moral of the story. We'll leave you guys on that thought. We'll have plenty of more coverage coming up over the coming days here uh, as the Broncos enter that Sunday afternoon contest with the Bears. Uh, you can subscribe to our digital product at the DenverPost.com. Uh, get all of our web articles even sent to you in a newsletter every morning right to your inbox. You can also subscribe to the paper. Get that thing delivered to your front door every day and we will see you next time.